Our first reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah. On the church calendar, today is the baptism, baptism of the Lord Day, remembering the baptism of Jesus. It is also appropriate to remember your own baptism, the day that God redeemed you and called you by name. Listen to God calling to his people in these verses as we are called by baptism. From Isaiah chapter 43. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give you Egypt as a ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you, I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by, called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Our second reading is Luke's account of the baptism of Jesus. It is important to remember that John the Baptist was an incredibly powerful and charismatic figure. People had flocked to him for baptism and his words carried a lot of weight. From Luke chapter 3. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning, questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into, its, into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you, with you, I am well pleased. Good morning. You know, as I look out into the, the church and see everybody, other than in the first few pews, which are usually never filled, everybody's sitting in their normal seats. Um, I think I'm going to start calling that church sway. Um, the, uh, uh, I bring that up because my wife and I always sit like in the same spot, and it's the third row, so I can kind of sit on the end. And uh, well, she's sitting back one, one, and right behind her in his normal spot is Skip Smith. And uh, about five weeks before, or six weeks before Christmas, or bef- uh-uh, two weeks before Christmas, about five weeks ago, uh-uh, uh-uh, as Liz and I were coming in, and I'd like to say that when I'm not, or when I'm not singing, I'd like to say I get here on time, but uh, we usually find ourselves kind of running the list a little late at, at home, and we get here just as we're singing. 
And, uh, but the church was starting to fill up every week before Christmas, a little more and a little more, and Skip was going a little farther up and a little farther up. And before you knew it, you know, the, the week before Christmas, you know, Liz and I come walking in, and the only spots left are right in the very front pew, and Skip is right behind us. And, uh, you know, in the greeting, Skip, t- we turned around, said hello, and Skip said, you realize that uh, if you come any later, you're going to have to be up there preaching. <laughs> I was really glad to, uh, when Pastor Karen asked me uh, to uh, uh, speak on this particular topic this week, because at least it was one of those easier weeks. It wasn't one of those really tough uh, uh, stories that... that uh, You have to really try to figure out what they were saying. It's the baptism of Jesus, and I think we all know that story pretty well. I think it's always a great day in our church when our children are presented with a Bible. My first Bible was a King James Bible that my grandmother owned. I still have it, and it's right here. Since then, I've owned many other Bibles, but only two of them have been made of paper and binding. Um, Perhaps... You know, there are times when you see me up in the front here, and I open up my Palm Pilot, and I start reading. Um, I can assure you that uh, I'm actually reading the Bible when it's up there. I'm not checking my schedule for the coming week, uh, as tempting as that might be. Um, there's a Bible reader program on here. And I'm really a fan of technology. You know, and uh, I was thinking about this when, when, uh, uh, we were, when we just heard about the cell phones, because you can actually have the same Bible reader program on your cell phone. So you can take the Bible with you. Um, I have 10 complete Bibles, uh, Bible translations on my Palm Pilot, which is a fact that my wife usually teases me about during disciple class, even though she bought two of them for me for Christmas presents. <laughs> But I find the tools on this device particularly useful, at least until the power runs out at the moment I need it. So owning a paper copy is still a good thing, and I'm sure that our children will cherish their gift for a very long time, as it's the gift of God's word. Well, this morning is all about the baptism of Christ our Lord. I don't know about you, but the thought that God somehow had to be baptized has always seemed a little odd to me. It's obvious that there must have been a reason this baptism is necessary, or Luke Luke would not have found it important to include in his gospel. This morning, I thought I would take a look at some of the important elements in this drama. The first one is water. Water runs deep in the Bible. My Bible reader program lets me search for words or combinations of words. The Bible mentions the word water 414 times. 615 times if you include the word waters. There are an additional 169 references to water as a river. The word water is mentioned in the very first sentence of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Water came before light. It is in the very next verse that God says, let there be light. Water is a fascinating thing. We have many words to describe it. Snow, sleet, hail, ice, slush, liquid water, water vapor. And I'm sure over the last few weeks, you've heard some people use some very colorful words to describe water, especially on the way to work. Several years ago, I was listening to NPR on my way to work, 
They were discussing a, science, a scientist in Alaska who performed an experiment on an incredibly cold day. I think it was around 30 degrees below zero. The scientist wondered if he threw water into the air, if it would come down as snow and ice. So he filled a glass with tap water at room temperature, went outside, threw the water way up into the air as high as he could, and it came back down in a liquid state. He thought about it for a while, and then he tried again. He repeated the exact same process, but this time used boiling water. While it seems highly improbable, when he threw the boiling water up in the air, it came down as snow and ice. It does seem improbable that boiling water could freeze faster than room temperature water. But an unusual characteristic of water is that it not only expands when it is heated, it expands when it gets cold. So with the molecules of boiling water already expanded away from each other, when exposed to the frigid cold, they freeze very fast. So water is truly a remarkable thing. In Genesis, we see how God used water for creation and also for destruction, as in the story of Noah. In the Bible, water is often mysterious, dangerous, life-giving, and used in miracles. Water from the rock, the sea parting ways for Moses and the Jews, and the miracles of Jesus that we will look at in a few minutes. Another important element in the story of Jesus' baptism is John. Matthew tells us in chapter 3, verse 3, that John is the one whom the prophet Isaiah spoke of when he said, The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Luke tells us that John was the son of the priest Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, who was a cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Luke tells us in chapter 1, verse 15, that John will be great in the sight of the Lord. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He continues in verse 17. With the spirit and the power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So the angel Gabriel proclaims John to be a prophet, which is something the Jews haven't had for hundreds of years. I think that Luke even tells us the moment when the Holy Spirit fills the unborn John when a pregnant Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth. Luke chapter 1, verse 40. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, fast-forwarding through the Gospels, we know that John grows up and fulfills his destiny to prepare the way for his cousin Jesus, the Messiah. John is a strong and imposing figure that lives and preaches in the wilderness, He challenged all and prepared the way for the Lord, just as Isaiah had predicted. But we also know that there were many who thought that John was the Messiah. Finally, we have Jesus, son of Mary and Joseph, born in Bethlehem in a stable, visited by angels, shepherds, and wise men. He is born of the power of the Holy Spirit to a young woman who is without sin. He is wholly human and wholly divine, so he was without sin. So I go back to why baptism. Isaiah uses deliverance from Babylon to prophesy the greater deliverance from sin and death, 
with the coming of the Messiah. In the reading today, Isaiah tells his people not to fear, for God has come come to redeem them. He has called them by name. You are mine. Neither the waters nor the rivers or fire and flame will hurt you. It was only a few Sundays ago Pastor Karen talked about how a man simply needed to name a child, as Joseph did with Jesus, and the child was his. Isaiah is speaking to all of us as being precious in God's sight, and that he loves us and we are his. I think the passage is especially beautiful as it says, Be not afraid, for you are mine and I am yours. We should also keep in mind that both John and Jesus were named by God through the angel Gabriel. So here we come back to the story of Jesus' baptism. Now we have all the little pieces and parts in place. Luke tells us two important things at the start of the reading. He tells us that the people were full of expectation and wondered if John could be the Messiah. But John makes it clear to the people through his own prophecy that while he baptizes with water, the one who comes after him will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Unlike the prophets before him, John's prophecy is one that won't take hundreds of years to come true. Matthew's gospel records the conversation just prior to Jesus' baptism. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. I wonder if they knew what was going to happen next. It's one of those grand and pivotal moments in the Bible. Just imagine it. The gospel writer tells us that the heavens opened up. The heavens opened up. And the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove. And then a voice from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. God makes it very clear who Jesus is. And additionally, if we couldn't figure it out with the voice of the Father, there's a second sign. John told the people that the one who comes after him will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Here is Jesus being baptized, and we actually get to see the Holy Spirit. This is the same Spirit that will fill the disciples at Pentecost and all of the followers of Jesus afterward. It is this baptism of the Spirit that John prophesied. Yet even with all of this, I still can't help but wonder why a water baptism. It must have something to do with water itself. After all, wouldn't it have been more effective for God just to open up the heavens and speak to the crowd while Jesus was in the temple? Wouldn't that have been even more dramatic and more impressive? First, we have to understand what a water immersion baptism would have meant to the people of the Middle East 2,000 years ago. Then the concept of using water to wash away transgressions would have been easily understood. After all, the Jews did practice ritual bathing for purification purposes. However, we need to remember that the people in this time period did not bathe regularly. 
Perhaps it is more difficult for us to understand the idea of a cleansing bath since we shower and bathe so regularly. We simply take for granted the washing away of dirt and the stench of the day. People in that day did not have the availability of large amounts of water for that type of daily task. Ancient cultures developed cities next to rivers and lakes specifically because they needed water to survive. Living next to water was a lot easier than moving the water. The Romans were the first ones who began to develop the technology to move large amounts of water where they wanted it to go. And it's no coincidence that the Romans did bathe regularly. But for outlying areas, water was still not necessarily easy to come by. So to get the full picture, let's look at what the Bible says about Jesus and water. From the start of the Gospel of John, we learn that Jesus, from the beginning, is the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that all things came into being through him. So through the Word, which is Jesus, God created the heavens and earth, including the waters. Later we find that Jesus' first miracle was at the wedding feast in Canaan. There, at his mother's request, he transformed water into wine. We also have Jesus in full command of water in the story where his disciples are on the boat being battered by the waves. Jesus walks on the water. And if you recall the story, there's a little bit, a hint of that from Isaiah from today's reading. Be not afraid. When you pass through waters, I will be with you. Peter leaves the boat and walks on water until he notices where he is. And he gets afraid. And he loses his faith and he begins to sink. But a faithful Jesus, who is always with him, saves him. In his gospel, John also writes about a Samaritan woman who meets Jesus at the well. Jesus asks her to bring him some water. And in their discussion, Jesus tells her he can provide living water. Jesus tells her in plain terms, he is the Messiah she is waiting for. Then before the Last Supper, Jesus tells his disciples to follow a man with a water jug and ask him about a room where they may share the Passover meal. During the Passover meal, Christ washes the feet of his disciples. Then on Good Friday, we have Pilate washing his hands of the responsibility of Christ's crucifixion. Then on the cross, Jesus, who must have been severely dehydrated, exclaims that he is thirsty just before he dies. And when the soldiers pierce his side, he bleeds both blood and water. So now that I think I have all the pieces of the puzzle, we have Isaiah, whose prophecies include the voice in the wilderness preparing the way of the Messiah, and the Messiah who's redeemed us and called us by name. Then we have the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of water by John was necessary for the people to know that John's prophecy would be fulfilled. He baptized with water, but the one who would come after him baptizes with the Holy Spirit. At the moment when the heavens open, God makes it crystal clear that it is Jesus, not John, who is the Messiah, the Beloved. God takes the moment of Jesus' baptism to name him and claim him as his son. The baptism takes place takes the place of the naming of a child on the seventh day. 
It is as, as if Jesus is symbolically reborn in the waters of the Jordan. He was born in the water of his mother's womb, and now he will start his journey for our salvation in the waters of the Jordan. For after his baptism, Jesus, for after the baptism of Jesus, the Spirit moves him to go into the desert for 40 days. And this was the start of his earthly ministry. Jesus' first miracle is changing water to wine. At the Last Supper, he changes wine into his blood of the new covenant. Then on the cross, we come full circle. During his ministry, he proclaimed that he provides the living water, the water that will purify us and give us eternal life. Then, as he dies on the cross, his side is pierced, and after his blood, water runs out. Water really does run deep in the Bible and in our salvation. The first sentence of the Bible talks of water. The last book of the Bible does as so as well. From Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So be it.